All episodes of The Way We Haunt Now deal thematically with death and dying. Many contain mild horror elements. Take care, listeners. This is The Way We Haunt Now, Episode 15, The Lore. <sighs> What's making that sound? It must be a tree. You, Lily? Eulalie, are you okay? There. The window. Do you see? The window? The... There's nothing there, Eulalie. What did you see? Uh, there was a ghost. Um, it was... Uh, it, uh, it was screaming and scratching against the glass like... Like it was trying to take its way out of its own coffin or something. I don't know. I, uh, uh, you're sure you don't see anything? Nothing. Uh, maybe it was just the tree after all. What tree? The tree? Outside the window? Yeah, there's not a tree outside this window. And if you say you saw a ghost, there was probably a ghost. But... What about your wards? They keep ghosts outside, but not away. I couldn't ward the whole building and grounds. <sighs> okay. Okay. Um. <sighs> what am I going to do, Alicia? I... Just... Live with the ghosts popping up everywhere all the time? I don't know if I can handle this. Hey, hey. You don't have to figure this out alone, okay? And what we're going to do right this very minute is clean up some glass. <sighs> right. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't need to apologize. This? It's a lot. And I know from experience that it's something you have to deal with one day at a time. One ghost at a time. What exactly is going on here? Shouldn't we be seeing some kind of light or door or early white gate or something? Madre de Dios, sabes que soy atea, pero estoy tan asustada. Aquí va. Madre, ¿dónde estás? I'm not. This can't be happening. It's a bad dream. I'm gonna wake up any minute, and everything will be fine. No, not dead. It's too soon. I'm not. I'm not ready. 
Please, I'm let not. this be a mistake, please. I have so much I still need to do. This can't be happening. It's a bad dream. I'm gonna wake up any minute and everything will be fine. But I recovered. I recovered. How could I have a heart attack? I'm 25. The sickness wasn't supposed to affect me, but I beat it. This has to be a mistake. Someone has to fix this. I'm not supposed to be here. Wait, so the afterlife is just a badly lit room in some forgotten corner of a hospital? I thought I'd see Luella, or Tiny, anybody I knew. But it's just strangers. You know, Lara, this might go better if we help one ghost at a time. You know that wasn't working either. And anyway, it's not my fault. There's, there's just so many of them now, and they all need help. I couldn't just tell some to wait. <sighs> I wasn't sure about these meetings to begin with. And having this crowd show up isn't making me feel any more comfortable. Oh, Josie, don't be cranky. You know we have to do something to keep humans and ghosts coexisting safely. You're right, of course. There's just so many. Many more than there should be. And they all need our guidance to figure out how to deal with their new status in... Life? Unlife? Well, can you help me carry these refreshments into our guests? Oh, yeah, of course. It seems our guests are making themselves felt in the electronics. We better get back in there. Josie? Yeah? I know this was all my idea, but I... I'm so nervous. What if I, I say the wrong thing? It's so much easier to talk to animals. Animals do listen better, too. But, Lada, if there's one thing I've learned about you, when you speak from the heart, you always say and do the right thing. (sighs) Now, let's go meet our new friends. You know, maybe next time we should hold a meeting in one of those big general stores. I've had my eye on one of those newfangled sewing machines. And this group could blow the motor out of one for me. Chasey! People tend to imagine the veil, when they think about it at all, as a void. Less a place than a barrier one must breach in order to move on to whatever comes after the afterlife a curtain to be pushed aside. They aren't wrong, necessarily. The veil is quite literally what you make of it. A liminal, plastic place shaped by the imagination and desire of those who inhabit it and those who journey through it. And the lingering dead aren't always the most stable, consistent, imaginative. What's the word I'm looking for? Substantial, I think. Hmm, yes. Substantial. 
The lingering dead don't think as much in terms of substance as the flesh-bound living. And so the veil does have void-like qualities. Time doesn't adhere to things in the same way it does for the living. Space doesn't have to play by quite the same rules. And, like a void, the veil is dangerous to the unwary. Without appropriate precaution... Stopwatches, you mean? A journeying ghost could easily find herself unstuck from time, unmoored in space, captured by the gravity well of the unknown. Do you know, I've speculated that the veil is actually the event horizon of whatever comes next. It's timeless and malleable because we're slowly being pulled toward, through, into something vast and new. That's fascinating. And it makes so much sense. I know. You know what else is fascinating? How much you talk to yourself. Do you do this all of the time, or is it more of a big moment thing? I... Actually, let's put a pin in that. We're here. Do you have your stopwatch? Yes. Right then. Ready when you are. Well, let's do some digging. But you provided the bell. It's for decorative purposes only. Didn't you see the sign? The sign? There's no sign. (laughs) I know. Just pulling your leg. Welcome to Special Collections. What can I assist you with today? We're here to learn more about poltergeists. Righto. Both got your researcher cards? Brilliant. Right this way, then. This week on Death's Cookery, a disastrous scallop gets one of our top contestants sent home. Meanwhile, Billy and Sam's will-they-won't-they chemistry sets off a chain reaction that has unprecedented effects in our surprise challenge. It's like... I was supportive when Billy was running the hot show. As soon as I get up there, he's gonna sabotage me? It's on, Billy. Oh, it's on. You better watch that pretty little backside, because I'm coming for it. (laughs) Billy didn't sabotage Sam. (laughs) I did. It was me. Those boys think everything revolves around them and their obvious chemistry and their ridiculous culinary preferences. But I'm here to win this thing. And that means making sure I have space to shine. That's never going to happen with those two flinging filet mignon and lobster around like it's 1999 and we're about to surf and turf until they keel over with heart failure. Oh my god. I'm here to show the world that vegan food can be just as decadent, just as sumptuous as any last meal made with a roasted carcass. Better, even. Move in with the poltergeist, they said. Help out a trapped ghost. Have a few spooky experiences. I didn't oversalt your precious scallops, Sam. We had an alliance. Why would I break it at the first possible chance? I don't know, Billy. Why would you? To take out your only real competition, maybe? You'd do anything for that executive chef position, wouldn't you? Wouldn't any of us? I mean, 
This isn't one of those hug and hold hands kumbaya type British baking shows, bro. Oh, I knew it. I knew I couldn't trust you. I... Sam, look at me, pal. I respect you too much to do you like that. I... Like you too much. You... Someone's messing with us. Maybe that chipper salad chef over there. Maybe someone else. My point is... Come. We're not going to let them get us down. We're still going to win this challenge. We are? We are. Together. Because you... Like me? Oh, for the love of... Because I like you. And if we work together, we can make whoever did this pay. Death's cookery style. That is quite the threat. Or promise? You'll have to tune in next week to find out which. Because nothing is ever what it seems here on Death's Cookery. Ugh. I expected terrifying house noises. Spooky writing on the mirror when I get out of the shower. Maybe even some vomiting and light possession. But weeks of constant bad TV? I did not sign up for this. Believe me, it was much worse at first. Frankie friend, you've got to give me some sort of warning. Sorry, but it was much worse. The apartment was watching... What? Jersey Shore? Jersey Shore? I don't believe so. We didn't watch television at all at first. There was a lot of noise for a long time, even after everyone went away. The apartment had my signature on its lease, but it wanted me. It wanted to claim me, and the way it went about that. I started hiding in Eulalie's electronics, I think they're called, just to get away from the apartment's prying. And while I was in her desktop, I discovered the internet. The next time the apartment tried to rummage around in my memories, it found the media I'd been consuming and... A monster was born. What? Oh, um, just joking. And I'm so sorry you had to go through that. It sounds terrible. And, ugh, terrifying. Ugh, it was. I know that the apartment has been left behind many, many times. It's grieving, and it's tired of being left with only bits and pieces of the people it's come to love. And it's a young building, so it doesn't know its own strength, really. But there was a period of time when it pretended to be my mother, and locked me in a room, and... The television is an improvement. <sighs> gotcha. Wow. I never really thought about the apartment's perspective at all. Not, not that what you said excuses its actions, but... But it certainly helps make sense of those actions. And understanding someone is the first and most crucial step to working with them, as my father always used to say. Especially if you don't agree about things. Wait, so... Do you think that understanding the apartment's, um, abandonment issues might somehow help us get you out of here? 
If there is a way, I don't think understanding what the apartment truly wants and needs will hurt. Do you? No. No, it couldn't, could it? Preventing poltergeists, destroying poltergeist-infested buildings, anecdotal accounts of poltergeists around the world. Ugh, none of this tells us anything new about Frankie's situation. We've just started looking, Mary. Research takes time. Time we don't have. How long has it been since we left? How long until what's happened to Frankie is irreversible? Is it already irreversible? We don't know. All the more reason to keep calm and the book you requested. I haven't requested any additional... I think you are correct that Colwyn's private memoirs and confessions of a penitent poltergeist may be just the thing to propel your research forward. I... In particular, your suspicions that the footnotes in Chapter 3 are of extreme interest. I... you do? Oh, for God's sake, Mary. Footnote 1. Footnote 1. <coughs> Footnote 2, then. Okay, then. Footnote 2. It has long been suspected by scholars that Colwan drew on personal experience in his depiction of the nameless ghost's brief and violent relationship with the poltergeist in this and the following chapter. Colwan grew up next to a reportedly haunted estate, whose grounds and halls he frequented as an incorrigible youth given to adventurous trespassing. It is said that, after one such visit, Colwan returned home pale and shaking, for weeks afterwards, he refused to leave his room or even to speak, much to the distress of his mother and tutor. The novel's title creates a sense of dramatic irony here. Though the poltergeist's entrapment of the ghost in this chapter is followed by a sort of lull in which the ghost believes that the worst has passed. We know that this poltergeist, like all poltergeists, has much to be penitent for. And indeed, the poltergeist's ruthless pillage of the ghost's memories and subsequent use of those memories to torture the ghost until it can be completely absorbed by the poltergeist is a premeditated act of such violence. It is no surprise that the poltergeist eventually comes to regret its deeds. Oh. Feck? That's not even the good bit. The good bit? What kind of librarian are you, actually? A bored one. Anyhow, as I was saying, the good bit, as you yourself noted when you were perusing our finding aids, and therefore didn't need to hear from me, is that the author himself lives just down the way from here. <laughs> just down the way, she says. <clears throat> And by she, I mean for some strange reason. You, Mary, you beautiful genius. Of course. Shall we? We shall. Thank you, Ms. Library. Oh, oh, she's gone. 
and so are we. My point about time and our utter lack of it still stands. All done then? Yep. Did you find everything you needed? Oh yes, yes, I think I did. Perfect. You have a good afternoon now. Yeah, thanks. You too. I got it. Yes, dude! So, what's the damage? Yeah, what do we have to do to get on with kicking some ghost butt? There are a lot of complicated ingredients we need to track down, and some Latin we're going to have to get translated, but I know a person. That's about what I expected. Is that it? Sick. Why do I feel like I'm waiting for bad news? Uh, Because there is some bad news. This is essentially a breakup spell for unique relationships, say, between buildings and ghosts. And best case, it might cause the building to break up with itself a little. So, we wear hard hats. Boom. So the building could literally fall down around us? What's the worst case, Cass? The building could fall down around us. And the spell could psychically nudge everyone within a one-mile radius to break up their most significant relationship. That is some serious blowback, folks. Should we really move forward with this? Oh man, I just started dating this elf? Look, you gotta break a few eggs to make an omelette. I mean, I mean chick. Really, Danny? That's a crap metaphor. And I thought you were vegan. I mean, I I really like the person I'm dating, and I I don't want to get ghost whammied into breaking up. All I'm saying is, this sounds like a lot of blowback, but compared to the potential damage an active poltergeist could cause, this is small potatoes. And now I'm hungry. I don't think we should go through with this. You raise a valid concern, Myrtle. I think we need to at least sleep on it before we move forward. I think we need to call it off, but I will accept sleeping on it as a rational course. For now. Meanwhile, enjoy your time with your elf friend while you still have it, Nick. It's Parker. You know what to do. Hey, sis. I just wanted to check in. Things are fine over here. Except for the midnight ghost scares. Uh, by which I mean totally normal and harmless midnight ghost scares. <sighs> I'm still seeing ghosts, but hey, at least they can't hang out in the closets. Anyway, um, I'm, I'm sure you're just busy with poltergeist roommate things. I, I just, I hope you're okay. I hope you weren't staying here out of some misplaced sense of duty, because you shouldn't put my well-being over yours. I'm the big sister here, and I promise I'm going to be okay. And now that we know Frankie hasn't, I don't know, dissolved into the walls, you can get back to your life if you want to.
This episode of The Way We Haunt Now was written by Courtney Floyd and Georgia McKenzie, with sound design by Brad Colebrook and voice acting, in order of appearance, by Courtney Floyd as Eulalie, Jessica Winston as Alicia, Tetsuka as Assorted Ghosts, Ivan Davino as Assorted Ghosts, Arian Marchese as Assorted Ghosts, Sean Grace as Assorted Ghosts, Danny Spiller as Aaron. Kiona Bashvaleko as Assorted Ghosts. David S. Deer as Henry. Maritza Rodriguez as Elena. Georgia McKenzie as Josie. Becca Marcus as Lotta. Kira Apple as the narrator and Mary. Margaret Ashley as Georgie Yates. L.W. Salinas as the Vale Librarian and the Mysteriously Familiar Librarian. Paul H. Rollins as Nick Castleweed. Brad Colbrook as Cass Bromley. Tal Minear as Myrtle. Lindsay Zanna as Danny. Paige Elena as Death's Cookery host. Austin Bachman as Sam, a Death's Cookery contestant. Cashew as Wendy, a Death's Cookery contestant. Marnie Warner as Parker. Jerron Bacot as Billy, a Death's Cookery contestant. Eleanor Gray as Frankie. Hey, we're halfway through our season, and honestly, one of the scariest parts for me is the sibling drama. If you have a sibling you'd move in with a poltergeist to help, let them know you love them. And because I should lead by example, here's a shout out to my numerous siblings. We've lived through haunted apartments together, and you know we'd do it again if it needed to be done. Now answer my voicemails! Just kidding. What kind of a monster actually leaves a voicemail? Okay, now I'm going to join the rest of the cast and crew in a mid-season break. We'll be back haunting your podcatchers on January 22nd, 2022. We'll get back to our manipulation and morbid ingredients right after this preview. I'm working on a little time capsule project to send a message to the future, and these recordings are a part of it. This recorder, our payload, and there's a whole group of us working on it. So I'm treating this entire scheme as a really complex art project. Half of the things I want to build won't work anyway. And the end of the world isn't going to stop me from trying. There's always a danger to building something like this. A miscalculation, a wrong decimal, hell, even a drop of fuel too little and this whole thing could go sideways. And I want this message to be perfect. A perfect representation of who we are as a people and the history that has shaped us into what we are today. So it's not like you have to be a rocket scientist to build a rocket. Um, never mind. The entropy of the universe is always increasing. Things want to fall apart. And you've got to accept that when you decide to make them. The Earth is fucked. It's broken, and it's awful, and it's tearing itself apart. And there's nothing any of us can do to stop it. Please remember us, not for what was here, but for what will be. Peace, love, family. Now and forever. 
What Will Be Here is a sci-fi audio drama about living on a doomed Earth and building things anyway. This 10-episode limited series launches on November 21st. Find out more about the show at whatwillbehere.crd.co and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice today.